<laughs> I used to love those books. Well, today's a fantastic day. We've got the Ferraris in Paul. Uh, no, it's just a... <laughs> uh, Max in fourth. Um, just a beautiful day to be with you all. <laughs> Class isn't here, I can say that. Uh, I'm really excited about today's message. It's, it's been a fantastic journey through the book of James. Well, I say through the book. Uh, we're still in chapter one, <laughs> seven sermons later. But I've got four verses this week. I'm going to go through it. Let's go. I need these. Uh, James, we know, is the half-brother of Jesus, and uh, he has written this letter to the followers um, that he has, and it's this most amazing, as we've said so many times, an almost New Testament book of Proverbs. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, trials and temptations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts, oh, they got my notes. <laughs> okay, still, I've still got page five, so we're fine with most of it. That's why you number your pages, right? <laughs> all right, I'll carry on. Do you mind just pass the, yeah? <laughs> you can, you ready? <laughs> All right, where was I, where was I, okay. <laughs> we are now moved past James. No, um, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even when he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no man should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Listening and doing, our second section of James. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life 
that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Let's reflect for a minute on, on where we've been. A maturing faith that grows through trials. These are the topics that we've covered so far. As you look over that list, can you list two ways? You've got your books there, you've got a pencil. Hey, let's make it practical. Maybe write it down. Can you list two ways that you've actively made a change since listening to the first series in James? Are you as a Christ follower growing in your relationship with God? This week, we're gonna move on. We're gonna look at how real faith transforms our deeds. Last week, young James from the Deep South gave an outstanding message on James 19 to 21, James chapter 1, 19 to 21. And he, he reinforced what I unpacked in verses 16 to 18. We're, whoa, here we go again. I've lost page three. Sorry, I'm gonna have to hold these notes, it's fine. You'll still get the whole message, I promise. <laughs> where, he unpacked, where I unpacked in uh, verses 16 to 18, do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. That's gonna help, that's perfect. And I'll angle it this way. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. What he was saying is, don't be deceived as to who you think God is and what you think God is like. And even though we're looking at these chapters of James in, in small chunks of verses, they're all related. That's why we read the whole thing up until now. They're all related. They flow from one to another. It's like James is saying at the start, hey, if you get this, you'll understand this. And once you've understood this, I wanna teach you about this. And once you've got this principle and this concept and you've acted on this thing that I'm teaching you, well now I'm gonna tell you about this because this you can now apply into your life because you've understood all of that. So let's talk about this. James has moved on from don't being deceived as to how you think about God and who you think God is and what you think God is like and what you think God does and does not do, starting in verse 22, James now goes on to say, don't be deceived, but this time he's moving on from God to well you. James is saying, don't be deceived as to who you think you are, what you think you are like, what you do and do not do, don't be self-deceived. Have you ever thought about what people hope to gain when they cheat on a test. They copy somebody else's answers and when they get all excited because they get a good grade and they think that makes them clever, they believe that their inflated performance reflects their true ability. Now I'm flying this evening, I've got a long flight ahead of me. I'd hate for my pilot to have cheated on his test because that would be an absolute disaster. But we've been reading in the news recently of, of uh, CEOs of companies and politicians who have cheated on their CVs. 
And the repercussions is they've taken entire companies, entire communities down with them. But let's get personal. What is it that you might believe about yourself that might not be entirely true? Well, now you say, how would I know that? Well, you need a mirror. I have a, a mirror at my old gym, and, and I've told this story before. Um, it's, it's this wonderful, over the years, it's kind of gotten a little bit warped, and, and if you stand at a certain distance from it, and you look in this mirror, well, it takes my six foot one body, and it compresses it, like, just perfectly, because suddenly I have forearms, and I've got calves, and I've got this brick house little build, and if I believe the image in that mirror, well, I'd run out there, and I'd play a game of rugby, and I don't know how to play rugby, and you know what happened? The closest Khaleesi would tear me in half. It absolutely annihilate me because I'm not the man in that image. I'm not the guy I glanced at in that mirror. I need to have looked more intently. We all know people who are self-deceived. Everybody's nodding, oh yeah. I've got family members, I've got, I've got friends, I've got people in my company. Some of them, we think it's quite funny, you know, the twits who don't know that they're twits. But some of them, really great us because of their lack of self-awareness, because it affects us, it affects people around them. In fact, it hurts us, and it's hurting people around them. Because when we know what's not true, and we can see what's actually going on, stuff that they're in denial about. But the thing is, with self-deception, we don't know when it's us, when we're deceived. Well, because we're the deceived ones, and we've deceived ourselves. I don't know it's me. Tracy knows it's me, but I don't know it's me. James is looking over those in his following, and uh, Don must often be doing the same, and he's thinking to himself, man, so many of these guys are deceived. And James here, as we pick up and we read our text for today, he's talking to the pew warmers. He's talking to some Christ followers here. Let's read it together. We're going to James chapter one, verse 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Last week we looked at how we to respond to the gospel. We need to be quick to listen on receiving, hearing, reading the gospel position our position should be actively responsive. This week, James takes it to the next level. He further describes what it means to be quick to listen to the gospel. What does it mean to truly listen? What would the result of real listening be? Where would true listening lead? It leads to obedience. We must live it, embody it, in our world. So here's the challenge. Tell me after 
last week's uh, wonderful teaching on, on anger and anger management. If you felt guilty, if you felt remorse, did you change the way you handled your anger? Or did you just feel better for having had that conviction? So much so that you thought the problem was solved and you moved on without doing anything differently. Did you change your behavior? It's not enough to just know there's a problem. We need to act on it. Don't just be convicted, be transformed, be renewed. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen, do. Now, I hope your mother taught you this. Don, clean your room. Don nods his head and he picks up the remote control. Yes, mom, Don, don't just nod your head, do it. You heard me, act. You see, James is giving us a command for life. Don't just listen, do. He's speaking to the character of the Christian. What is the characteristic of a Christ follower? We humbly obey God's word. Not just the day we're born again. James uses the present and continuing tense here. It's something that we do daily. This is an ongoing action. It's more than that even, according to James. This is a way of life for the believer. Why is James saying this? It would be helpful to understand the way the original hearers would have understood these words. Back in the day, the hearing of the scriptures was an essential part of the Jewish life. They would gather in synagogues uh, to hear the reading of God's words from the scrolls written by the scribes. The gospel was still being only orally transmitted when James was writing his letter. So paying attention to the spoken word was absolutely crucial. And now James is demanding the same kind of close attention to what he's writing. So his whole motivation here is, of course, to encourage all his readers that they would be brought into that place where they are living the righteous life that God desires. They didn't have access to the whole New Testament as we have it. In fact, many churches only had a single letter of Paul's. And it was enough. There was enough in it. Uh, these letters are so amazing, and we're so blessed to have all of them. But even for those churches, just to have one, there was so much to guide the churches, so much to grow the Christ followers into spiritual maturity. So after hearing or reading the word, what was assumed here, those that they would then put it into practice, what was read and understood. The practice of hearing the word continued in the early church, but we can assume that there were some in the number who were clearly settling for hearing only. I'm just gonna sit here and learn. And, and today we celebrate academia. We, we, we accumulate knowledge, and there's so much access to the Bible in every language, on every platform, from print to podcasts, to playlists, to teachings, to books, to radio stations, to television channels. But are they making us more Christ-like or are we just consumers? 
You see, this is how the mirror reveals flaws. We can sit under this message and hear what we're doing wrong and just walk away. Or, or we can be countercultural. Our culture rewards knowledge, but not character. But Jesus is much more interested in your character than your curriculum. Amen? Jesus touched on this in the Sermon on the Mount. You know the part about the wise and the foolish builders? Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Did you hear my words? Did you not only hear my words, but did you put them into practice? Because then you are like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Because when the temptations came, you could stand. When the trials came, you could stand. When you were going through stuff you didn't understand, you could still stand. You don't get washed away. You don't get beaten up spiritually. Your house doesn't get blown down. But if you hear and you just listen, and you don't listen properly, you don't absorb and accept and believe and then act on what you hear, your house will fall with a great crash. Jesus is explaining the dangers of listening without doing, deceiving ourselves. The person who is self-deceived is in a dangerous place because they end up blinded to their true spiritual state. The act of listening without doing can create a false sense of doing well or being right with God because we're hearing more and more and we're learning more and more and we end up thinking we're growing when in fact we're not. It's like eating loads of carbs without ever exercising them out of our bodies. Have you heard the term the armchair referee? Most people are nodding and putting a name to that term. This guy spends his Saturday afternoons yelling at the television. This guy, he knows everything about the game. He knows everything the ref is doing wrong and calling wrong. And he complains how unfit the fly half is, how unfit the wing is. And he spills his beer or his bag of chips every time the ref makes a bad decision. And then the final whistle goes and he gets out of his chair like this. Oh, that was exhausting. But I'm so glad we won. We what? We did what? What do you think happened this afternoon? You can't walk to the corner cafe without running out of breath. Get out there, get fit, practice, practice, and then maybe you will win a game. Not me, I'm not the guy in that mirror, I'm never going to win a game of rugby. As Rigby said to me, well, Rigby says, this is a, uh, a quote of his. What God will bless as a supplement, he will curse as a substitute. What God will bless as a supplement, he will curse as a substitute. Hearing is not an end to itself. It needs to lead to doing. 
It needs to lead to doing. In fact, the first thing Rigby ever did say to me when we were just eventually, we were church hopping, we just moved from Fishwick to the neighborhood and we came to the tent down at the range and we were sitting in the back there and Taryn brought Rigby over to introduce him to me. The first thing Rigby said to me was, I hope you're not here to keep that chair warm. You see, James's point applies to Christ followers who read the word and sit under messages Sunday after Sunday, but do not endeavor to put it into practice. And it applies to some of us who think we're Christians because we're born into Christian families. Like I did for many, many years as a preacher's kid. Well, I'm a Christian because, um, well, my parents were. Um, I'm a Christian because, well, I'm, I'm not Muslim. Uh, uh, I'm a Christian because, well, it's all we've ever done. We go to church on Christmas Day and we go to church on Easter Sunday and, and when asked what religion I am on a form, I, I tick off Christian because I don't identify with any of the others. If you've inherited this faith from your upbringing, but you do not make it personal, believe it, put it into practice, you're missing the point of the whole message. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The danger of merely listening. Now James goes deeper in addressing mere listeners. James gives the picture of looking into a mirror. Now, now why do we want to look in a mirror? I, I, did you happen to glance as you walked in at the mirror at the front there? <laughs> it's very funny. When people know they're being watched, they give a quick glance. They, they look at the mirror, they give quick glance and they move on and, and generally it's because they want to quickly check their hair it's not why I glance in the mirror but it's most people they glance in the mirror quickly um, but when somebody doesn't know they're being watched it's a very different story it's lovely to watch somebody look in the mirror when they don't know they're being watched because then well they do a whole bunch of different things well they check their teeth or, or they smile different smiles um, or they do poses huh? like, like the mirror is going to take their picture they do poses in the gym. We mostly check the mirror purposefully, right? To make adjustments. We gel the hair, well, some people do. They shave, straighten the posture, that's what I always do. I check the mirror and I'm like, no, you're kidding, I don't walk like that, do I? I try and straighten my posture, I'm like, oh, that's much better, that's much better. We take the spinach out of our teeth, we, we, we wipe the rib sauce off our cheeks. For me, I suffer from allergies. You'll see I constantly take my tissue out because my nose always feels wet. I've always got a runny nose for, from my allergies. So I've always got tissue paper in my beard or down my jersey. So I, I check the mirror to take the tissue off my face and off my jersey. Yet James is saying, here's this guy, right? He goes into the powder room and he looks into the mirror and he sees the rib sauce, he sees the spinach, he sees the tissues on his jersey, he sees the mess, and he walks right out again without touching a serviette or turning the tap on. He or she fails to address the flaws exposed by the mirror, and it's nuts, right? James wants us to see how ridiculous it is. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at them, his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
James is saying it's good to wonder about yourself. It's good to look at yourself, to take stock of yourself. Verse 25, just the beginning. But whoever looks intently, this person who looks intently, well, he considers, which means that guy gives it thought. It's more than a, a passing glance. That is an intentional stare. You see, in those days, though, mirrors were not like the ones that we have today. They were much worse than the one at my old gym. They had not perfected the glass reflection that we know today. They had mirrors made of bronze or copper that was polished about as shiny as it could be. Mirrors were also not everywhere. Most people then did not actually know what they really looked like. Can you imagine that? I mean, you've got a mirror in your car, in your bag. Most people then didn't even know what they really looked like. And the mirrors that they did have, they produced a dim reflection, one that was blurry and slightly warped, very different to the exact reflection we're used to. So any, any person using the mirror would need to really look carefully and consider, okay, okay, move this, okay, now that's a better reflection. Now I can really see what I look like. There was no point to a passing glance. But why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we intently look into the mirror? You see, James is saying here that there's something in our hearts that doesn't want to see who we really are. There's something in our hearts that doesn't want to see who we really are. There's the extreme case of anorexia. An anorexic is a size six who looks in the mirror and sees a size 16. That's an aggravated pathological version, but it's, a, but it's a reality for every human heart. We often remember the bad things, the things we don't like about ourselves, and the Bible says that's true of the human heart. We remember hurts. We remember words that made us feel so low. What a teacher, a spouse, a parent told you, you can never forget that, but the truths we seem to forget the truth so easily. That's what the Bible said. The heart says the heart is so explicit that bad things, ugly things, harmful things you remember, you can't forget, but good things. You read the Bible over and over again and it says you are loved a hundred times and you forget it. But one person comes up to you one time and says to you you're ugly and everybody hates you and you'll never forget it as long as you live. James says there's a level of intensity needed when we study the Bible, when we get the gospel of truth into our lives, because your heart naturally doesn't want to see who you really are, doesn't want to see the truth of who God really is. You're going to want to forget. In fact, if you don't purposefully fight that forgetfulness, if you know it's gonna happen and you don't fight it, if you don't set your heart to overcome, you're gonna miss the blessing, you're gonna miss the freedom, you're gonna miss the point. The problem is, according to James, that person actually forgets what they've just seen. This matters because James is speaking to the deception we mentioned before. It gives the appearance of doing the right thing. Maybe these, even, these people even have a good start. They have a really good start, but then they get tripped up. They get distracted. They never really kick into the real point 
of the gospel. It could depict a very shallow response to the gospel, hearing but it being forgotten in the worries of life and then being drowned out. We can see something's wrong. We can see something needs changing, but we can't get to it right now because we're busy, right? The devil loves to keep us busy. The devil loves to distract us. And this message is so relevant today because we've become consumers of content. We've become consumers of content. It's like we forget the basics in life now. My watch has to tell me to stand up if I've been sitting and staring at the screen for too long. Uh, my watch every Sunday sends me a little message of how long I've been on social media. 16 hours of, on Instagram, Derek. Uh, three hours reading the news. I keep waiting for it to say, Derek, time to take a prayer walk. Time to read the Bible. Let's compare. You know, I think that's the app we need. It's time to turn off the screen and do a prayer walk. Undoubtedly, we consume more content than any generation in the history of the world, and I'm guilty of that too. Way more than we could ever actually, listen to this, we consume more content than we could ever process or appreciate. I honestly don't know how my kids' generation will cope with all that's being thrown at them. It's not right. I watch the world uh, they live in, and it just seems so draining. The constant stimulation, the constant distraction, so the constant need to level up, to catch up, to keep up. Our brains become conditioned to consume and filter content. Conditioned like this, the gospel and the scriptures could be regulated to mere information rather than the profound, life-changing truth that they actually are, truth that needs to be acted on. The danger is, like the foolish person, we end up forgetting, simply because our lives are overloaded with content and demands. We need to safeguard against this, even prioritizing bandwidth in our saturated minds to appropriate this truth. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently in the, to the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The blessing of doing. Now James clarifies the way of the follower of Jesus. He or she is one who looks attentively into the gospel, the perfect law. Looks in the Greek implies stooping down to look at something. It's a bit like you might peer into a hole in the ground, and you look, ah, now it's a little dark, now it kind of comes into focus now, I can see what's going, okay, you, you, you want to see what's there. The follower of Jesus hears, remembers, and puts into practice what they learn. In other words, the believer adjusts the shape of their life according to the pattern of the gospel, adjusts their life according to the truth of the gospel. Our deeds are transformed because of our listening, considering, learning, remembering, and then the implementing of the truth. It's the gospel in our lives. Jesus is saying the gospel needs to be lived out in the deeds of the believers. This person remains or perseveres in this way of life. 
This is why we do this. This is why we do this. This is why we gather every Sunday. It might be Sunday, but Monday's coming, and that's why it's important. That's why we sit under the preaching of the word. That's why we sing it out in worship. That's why we do morning devotions and then we pray before we go into our day. This is why we discuss the word and we discuss these messages with our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ at Life Group. So we can give practical applications so that we can be accountable for the change we wanna make in our lives with our friends and the people we trust in our life group. We hear it, we sing it, we discuss it, we take it in until acting on it becomes our second nature. Of course that's how you live because it's what you believe. Receive it, take it in, process it. Now obey it, apply it, carry it out. This is part of the pattern of sanctification and transformation that is needed in the lives of Christ followers day by day, year by year, becoming more and more like Jesus. James adds a further motivator here. He says, there's a blessing. There's a blessing in living in the ways of God. I actually see two blessings here. I'm gonna go into both of them. There's the blessing of doing. The incredible blessing of living in the moment, living in God's will, living in God's ways. It's here that you will find the abundance of life. It's here you'll find the fullness of life. It's here you'll find the peace that the world does not understand. It's here that you'll find the inner joy that cannot be explained. And it's here that you'll find your purpose. The blessing is also an eternal perspective. There's something waiting for us in heaven. This blessing that comes to us when we go to Christ from a life lived doing the will of God. There is so much to look forward to. Be a doer of the word, not merely listening, which is folly. Not just folly, it's dangerous. Work the truth out in your life, which leads to blessing. Verse 25, hey, you're wondering why I keep repeating this. Repetition is at the heart of learning. I'm just gonna make you read these verses until you get it like I got it, because it took me two weeks. Okay. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Your new mirror, your new reflection that defines you is the perfect law, the perfect fulfilled law through Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. And what does this, this is your new mirror, guys. What does the perfect law give? It gives you freedom. It gives you freedom. I'm gonna quote Tim Keller, as I always do. <laughs> James is saying the word of God, which was implanted in you at first, which created you, now is the agency to grow you, to increase that life that began, that began in you. If you have come to persist, if you have come to it persistently, if you have come to it properly, it will ev result eventually in your total and complete freedom. James is saying here that you need to never stop looking. You don't look in the mirror and then go off. If you look in the mirror and see what is true and you go off, you'll forget it. You need to look intently at the truth. It's more than that. You need to take the mirror with you. You need to take the mirror with you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training 
in righteousness. Deuteronomy 32 to uh, verse, uh, chapter 47. Uh, you, you've got to remember, this is, this, is, this is something even the Old Testament talk. This is something that Moses was saying when he, when he held all those laws, the old laws. And he says, this, this teaching goes back. Moses is saying, these are not just idle words. These are your life. Live by them and you will live long. Inherit all and you will inherit all that God has promised it is the word that saves, and the same word that saves sets you free. Never stop looking. This is the basic principle. Willpower is not the point. You've got to look. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. Take the mirror with you. I'm going to give you an example. Jesus says, have no anxiety about anything. I think that's Matthew 26. Matthew 6. Have no anxiety about anything. Now, is that a command? That's a command. But what does it mean? Does it mean this? I'm a Christian, I'm not gonna have anxiety. I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm not gonna be afraid, I'm not gonna be afraid, I'm not gonna be afraid, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna have anxiety, I'm not gonna have anxiety. Now, that's willpower, you know? You're trying to talk yourself into not being anxious. No, Jesus says, have no anxiety, but. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers in the field. Consider the birds. Have no anxiety, but look into the mirror. Consider the birds. Consider the flowers in the field. God takes care of them. Aren't you worth more? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, take the mirror with you so you can consider. Look at Jesus. Look at what God did for you. Jesus Christ was ripped to shreds. They tore Jesus apart. The heavens wept and the earth quaked. Look at what God has done for you. And now you think he's gonna forget you? Don't be anxious. Consider what God has done for you. Consider Jesus. If you're anxious, maybe you're not looking. Continue to look at the truth. If you listen, if you look intently at the truth, if you go out and do what you've heard and what you've seen, to be the truth, then you will be blessed because it is the perfect law. So the more you obey, the more you obey, the more you'll become who God made you to be. And the more you obey, the freer you will be. My dogs are mad. Um, John Wilde uh, walked the dogs with me this week, so they, they put on a good show for him, but generally they're mad. I've got an Airedale Terrier. And a beaver terrier, if you know them, you know they can't really be trained because they're completely dog for scrick. Um, I did two seasons of training with the Airedale and eventually the, the, the trainer, Jan, said to me, Derek, you gotta quit now. It's not gonna get any better. This dog's not gonna learn another thing. Um, but they're smart enough to know that if I take that lead out, they're gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna put that lead around their neck. I'm gonna hold a leash and they're gonna get freedom. I put that lead on them as the wise, all-knowing dad of my dogs that I absolutely love to bits. Because if I don't, their freedom's gonna kill them. Because they're gonna charge across the road to greet another dog and they're gonna get run over. I've also got this thriving, I don't know why, because I don't really look after it, but I've got this thriving fish pond full of koi and comets and they breed like crazy, and, and if you need fish, bring a net. Um, but my fish are really happy. They don't look at me as if to say, hey, can you get me out of this pond? I want to experience true freedom. 
You're only free to the degree that you do what God made you to do. You got that? To obey him. How do you obey? You obey by humbling yourself under his grace, by seeing the truth that you are totally loved moral failure, by dealing with your sins and by relaxing in humility and taking the mirror of God's word with you all the time. What freedom. What freedom to those who do it. He or she will be blessed in what he or she does. A blessing that reaches through eternity. And what does this mean? Let's land. The band can come on up. The only way to grow to maturity is to actually do what the Bible says. Let's think about that this morning. The only way to grow to maturity is to actually do what James is saying, what Jesus has said. What is God saying to you this morning? What is God saying to me? Is there a debt I must settle? Is there a relationship I must restore? Is there a phone call I need to make? Is there a text or an email I need to write? Is there a sin I need to confess, a ticket I need to buy, a life group I need to attend, a resignation letter I need to write, a hospital I need to visit, an extra meal I need to make today? Do it and you will be blessed. Do it and you will be blessed. Isaiah heard the word of the Lord, he heard the voice of the Lord and he said, here I am Lord, send me. And he became one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Nehemiah heard the Lord. He didn't just hear the Lord, he did what he believed. And the walls were rebuilt and Jerusalem was restored. Paul heard the Macedonian call. He didn't just hear the Macedonian call, he obeyed it and the gospel went to Europe. William Carey heard the call and against all odds, against all the criticism, against all the negativity, he still did what God told him to do and he went to India. Hudson Taylor went to China. Renee and Sandra Oris, who listened and obeyed and in spite of the threat, trauma and difficulties, they now lead a powerful ministry in Mannenberg called New Beginnings that is changing lives. Blake and Rachel Tucker didn't just listen, they packed up their home and pulled their kids out of school and they moved to Madagascar and they started a church. Roger took an old bicycle to a shop in Bergfried. What a blessing. Sarah and Steve Benus, together with Ryan, listened when God spoke and they started Common Good. Common Good came into being. Have you seen the impact that Common Good has had on the needy and the vulnerable in our city? Andre Ntambwe from Weinberg, he listened when God spoke and he started network that led to the Zanakanya network, which is changing so many lives for good, turning hopelessness into hope for so many people. There is no limit to what God could do with one, two, three, or more people. But one person, one person wholly aligned to God, listening and doing, God can change the world through that one person. Let it be you. Let it be you. Let's pray.
Father God, we're so grateful that you could use us in spite of us. This morning, Father God, help us to take the mirror with us, to look so intently into your word, to understand so wonderfully your gospel message implanted on our hearts and make the acting on it second nature, Lord, we pray, that we just go out and instinctively live out the Christ-like life you've called us to. Help us to live lives that honor you, to bring you glory, and to have an impact. Help us to be a blessing, Lord God. Help us to bring your kingdom here on earth. We love you, Father. Amen.